2: Listen to Woke F Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Locatora Radio is a radiophonic novella. Which
4: is just a very extra way of saying... A, a podcast.
3: podcast! I'm Diosa Femme. And I am Mala Munoz. Locatora Radio is your prima's favorite podcast hosted by us, Mala and Diosa.
4: We're two IG friends turned podcast partners breaking down pop culture, feminism, sexual wellness, and offering fresh takes on trending topics through nuanced interviews with up and coming Latinx creatives
3: known as Las Locatoras, Las Mami Submit and Bullshit, The Porcasteras Next Door, and Las Porcasteras Peligrosas. We've been podcasting independently since 2016, and we're bringing our radiophonic novela to the My Cultura Network to continue sharing
4: stories from the Latinx community. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 7. Take, Take us, to us to your network. network.
3: Hola, hola, Locamores. Welcome back to another capitulo of Locatora Radio. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. You're tuning into capitulo 159.
4: Last time on Locatora Radio, we interviewed comedian Marcela Arguello about her brand new HBO Max special, Bitch, Grow Up. Go ahead and listen to that interview. Leave us a review. Rate us. Subscribe and share with a friend. Follow us across socials at locatora
3: underscore radio. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, even TikTok.
4: And make sure that you visit our website, locatoraradio.com. Subscribe to our newsletter, Besitos.
3: Today on Locatora Radio, we're joined by Puerto Rican singer Ile. She is a singer, composer, and vocalist. She was a member of Calle 13 before launching her solo career. Today, we're going to be talking to her about her third album and everything that she's been up to.
4: We've actually interviewed Ile once before, a few episodes back. On the Patreon. On the Patreon. So it's good to have her on the main feed. Okay,
3: so without further ado, we are so excited to have the one and only Ile in the studio with us today. Bienvenida. Welcome. Hola.
5: Hola. How are you?
3: Good. We're so good. We're so happy to see you, to meet you.
5: Yeah, me too, me too.
4: Yeah, we interviewed you a couple years ago. I interviewed you over Zoom. So okay. it's nice to meet you in person. <laughs> we're here in yeah. studio in LA. Did you just get in from Chicago? You were just traveling?
5: Yeah, yeah. I arrived yesterday and I'm super excited for the show tomorrow. <laughs>
4: Where are you performing?
5: At the Miracle Theater in Inglewood. So it's going to be fun.
3: Yeah, ¿cómo te sientes? Has estado de gira todo el mes de marzo. Tell See. us about this tour. Mm-hmm.
5: It has been great so far. I mean, the only thing has been the cold. Uh, for us Puerto Ricans, like, any cold is too cold. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny because a lot of people say to us, no, like, this is this is okay. This is not so cold. And we're like, not so cold. Mm-hmm. Like, we're freezing. So that's that has been the only weird part, but the rest has been great. Like, I think at the same time in the shows, we have been like warming up <laughs> with the audience. So it has been a lot of fun, like I'm enjoying everything.
3: I love that. And, you know, I want we want to talk to you today about your new music video, Algo Bonito, featuring Evie Queen. So tell us more about working on this song, working with Evie, it's such a feminist anthem, and mm-hmm. I think speaks true to your work also. <laughs> so tell us more about it.
5: Well, uh this song I think it always started as a combative song. <laughs> so I was um playing around with it, you know, actually kind of letting my feelings out because I I think it comes from a frustration that has sometimes happened to me when when I feel that we um try to manifest um a lot of things in in our fight as women and and send the message that we want to send and and demand you know uh, justice for us and also our, our rights uh, that we haven't re- received but correspond to us. and it frustrates me how that um, it becomes something you know uh, he, um, like you you feel the people attacking you for just doing that, you know, and it's always like a critique of everything that we do like we you feel that we we are, Progressing in some things, but at the same time, you feel that a lot of people—it's want to take you back to you know to the 1800s. So, <laughs> it's it's scary and it's frustrating. But I wanted this song to have, you know, from that energy when it transforms in courage and in rage, and in confronting um, that you know that. So from I didn't want it to leave it in the problem. You you know more more in the energy that. I mean, this is something that we're kind of used to, but even if it frustrates us or makes us, you know, a little down, uh, it doesn't stop us from what we really want to do. So this song is about that. And obviously having Evie, uh, what she represents as a woman in the reggaeton genre in her times, that must have been super tough. So I feel that her energy, her voice was super important and I feel super grateful to work with her. Is
4: this the first time that you've worked with Evie Queen? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How did it come about that you two got to work on this song together?
5: Well, it was actually uh, my brother Gabriel, um he he suggested me to do like it was he said to me like it would be cool like if you just you did something with Evie. And I said, "Wow, yeah, it would. I was already like starting with this song. Um but I wanted to feel you know to see first if I could imagine her in this song like because I don't want to force things I don't want to say oh yeah like and just push her in the song that I don't think she could fit Uh, but then I as I started working on it I started imagining her voice in it and it suddenly made sense and then I wrote to her on Instagram and she was very intrigued. <laughs> uh, so it was it was good to feel her like that. And then when I sent her the song I, I already wrote like my part and I sent her with her part like in blank like to leave her to write her stuff. And she and loved it. She said that she had the chorus in her head all the time. So it was super like exciting to see her like that. And she said yes, and she sent her part, and it was fire. So I was super excited. We had like a very good communication in the phone, but we actually met in person during the um, filming of the video.
3: I, I love that. I want to ask you more about the video, but before that, um, one of my favorite lines in the song is Si protesto me llaman subversiva y que me irrabia te incomoda porque sé que me prefieres compasiva. Mm-hmm. So good. So <laughs> tell you. me more about writing th- this line. I mean, the song is so beautiful, so powerful, but tell me more about the energy
5: behind the song. Yeah, well, I think um, it's, it's um it's weird for me but I try to understand that big changes take a lot of time. So, And I know I recognize that nowadays we have accomplished a lot, uh, but there's still a lot more left to work on. So uh, it's crazy for me to to feel that something so basic as empathy, solidarity, respect to women you know it's something so difficult for many people to understand and I think that's actually what's about the feminist movement is just about that you know it's it's not it's much simpler than people think but we make it more complex because we're not willing to understand that and I feel that uh, in, in Puerto Rico as well as in the rest of the world it's it's something that is um it's very difficult like you you it's something that is so subtle as a friends conversation but and also so uh in another level like they're killing a lot of women and 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 it's it's super uh, important to acknowledge that any violence any abuse no matter how small or big we think it is like it's it's still abuse and it's still violence so we need to acknowledge that every time that we can and especially in the songs that i work on i i think that i try to pay more attention on the subtleties on the ones that get more normalized in our society so these songs in- include it includes that you know as a part of the of the message uh, but obviously it's more like a march it's more you know combative and it's stronger and more powerful uh but you know we're just tired of it and we don't know how out of control this can get but but it can <laughs> because we're really tired of many things and it's just i i don't know like I, for me we have alternatives that can make things flow easier but if we keep being um, stopped and and you know in, impedida, como impedida mm-hmm. you know <laughs> uh, then i think uh, anything could happen
4: uh, so the new york times called your album uh, nacarile, one of the best albums of 2022, ranking it at number five. Can you tell us about the title of the album and, and what it means?
5: Uh, nacarile is an expression that we use in Puerto Rico uh, when we want to say no with a lot of attitude, but also it can be, you know, it's very determined. So like nacarile is like like super sure that that there, that no is super sure. <laughs> so it it I felt it more like a motivation. For the energy and the process of making this album, that it was very difficult and uh, I felt very dispersed in the whole process. So it was like a way of, you know, transcending everything that I was going through while making the album. And also, it can relate to some of the songs in the album as well.
6: Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there.
1: This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A.,
3: you have some collaborations on the album, like Mona Fer, Natalia La Forcade, Flor de Toloache, some of our favorites. Um, And what's your collaborative process like?
5: Well, I actually learned it with this album. This is my first time collaborating as much. I never expected this album to be so collaborative, (laughs) but I think it helped me a lot, especially because, like I was saying, in the process of making it, I... I felt so uh, different, you know, from the rest of my albums because I was trying to create like a new way of working that I was not so used to um, because of the times that we were living, you know. So I at first I was too hard on myself and then I I tried to be less hard on myself. So collaborating made me feel more, you know, accompanied uh, and it it was very nice to explore different uh, voices different colors different minds and try to connect it with with what i was wanted to say uh, so i feel super grateful of everyone that collaborated in this album and you know it wasn't something that i thought through a lot it i was i just went on with the feeling so at the end i'm i'm happy with the result <laughs>
3: Yeah, I mean so it's so good. Um and one Thank of you. the songs that I love from the album is Traguito and you talk about mujeres difíciles <laughs> or supposed mujeres difíciles, which is something we talk about here at Locatora all the time, is and the the line that I love is no es que yo fuera difícil, es que fui como quería. And so often women are defined as combative or difficult when maybe we're just being ourselves. Mm-hmm. So how do you think society defines difficult women and how is this song kind of pushing back on that?
5: Well, I I, I it's still it is difficult for me <laughs> to try to understand that, you know, but it happens all the time like sometimes I I try to make friends or whatever aware of what they're saying and how and their perspective, especially male friends, but sometimes female friends as well, uh, because we are all part of machismo. We, we all come from this uh, weird um, learning that we are unlearning in the per- like day by day. So I think that um, difficult women for society is just women that are not willing to please patriarchy. And for me, that is that does not makes us difficult. It's quite the contrary; it makes us free. Uh, so, why is that a problem? And it makes me wonder a lot of things. Like, and and you know, now in March, like why do women have a uh, International Women's Day? Why, I mean, you you why isn't necessary to have a male's women's day, that male's male's uh, international day? You know, and it makes you wonder like. Why is this necessary, like just to give us something to feel proud about, just to, you know, like a placebo to make us feel good about ourselves? No, like it's just like if it is something, it's actually a reminder of that we are still uh, in an urgent situation that we need to work on uh, uh, as a society and that things are not the way that they should. So. For me, it's super it's it's definitely complex, and I understand it can be intimidating for many people. But at the end, it's just trying to figure out like why is it so difficult? why it has been so difficult for us as women to have a place in this world, why why everything is related, why everything about us is related to men or a part or or as if we were an extension of a male. so it it's just. It's weird for me, and and you know, writing these songs makes me get even deeper into these topics, you know. And and that song is something as easy as drinking, you know, like we're criticized by drinking, you know, right. like drinking beer, drinking whatever, like just women cannot drink, right? <laughs> and it's and it's uh, it's weird because uh, like we we do, we can, <laughs> so uh, we are. Still breaking with things that seem like uh, today. It seems like we thought that it was broken like years ago, but you you still feel that we are still carrying with that weight, and that a lot of people still have a lot of stigma to us about anything that we do, or how or everything or what we wear. So it's it's very strange, and I think that yeah, this song is (laughs) about traguito. It's about that. It's it's just a free women. A little making fun of how she is you know uh, it's, it's like a satire of how she she she's as if she was suffering but she's actually not she's super like that's his problem <laughs> I'm I'm okay like it like if he doesn't want me free or he, he just wants me uh, with her with his um, Se dice, um, or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, then, like, that's not good for me, so I'm better off alone.
6: <laughs> Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Wark, the next, an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safty and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there.
1: This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip
4: feminism and protest definitely show up in your music and earlier in the interview you brought up you know killings of women and we've covered feminicidio and uh, femicide on this show for many years because it's a big problem not only in Latin America all over the world but Latin America in particular there is mm-hmm. all these instances of femicide so I'm wondering like how you take oppression and social issues and then convert it into lyrics or convert it into a song and how it inspires the work?
5: Well, it it depends. Like it, it it's really something that affects me a lot. It's a mixed, you know, mixed feelings because sometimes I feel super sad and I cry and I need to let it all out. Um, but at the same time, you see other things that make me feel hopeful and and you know um, powerful in a way and and in Puerto Rico Puerto Rico is so small that sometimes we feel that it's not enough like we're not enough uh, in in the streets like always like too small like and but suddenly you see a video in Mexico with a lot of women in the streets and it's and it's like, oh I think that it it would be amazing if we had that, but at the same time it feels like uh like sisters, you know, like it's like, oh good for them, like that's great, like that's what we need. So it's it's mixed feelings because I feel that um even though we are from different countries and the situations might be different, at the same time it comes from the same problem. So I feel that um for me when I write these songs I I sometimes try to feel that any situations even if i some of them i've been through some of them i haven't luckily but it it still feels very close by because like i i read a news of of a woman that got killed and how can i f- can i not feel empathy or a, as if that could be me or someone related to me or or it doesn't matter if i know her or not it's just like the situation is fucked up like and and how could this be normal for us? Like we just like like it's it it becomes normal for a lot of people. So that's what scares me the most. Not only the situation, but that that people are like as if nothing happened. So uh, all those feelings like are in me when I'm when I'm writing, and I, it becomes like a healing process, and uh, that I that I go through while I'm writing the song. Sometimes. Different emotions get by, and I try to go more towards what I want to say exactly. And I try my best that the message is received as clear as possible. Because, like, my intention is that everybody or at least, almost everybody can understand it.
3: Uh, yeah, I I love that you mentioned you know kind of healing through the music, right? And uh, my interpretation of "nacarile" is that it's at the crossroads of the personal and the political. And so with that, how do you take care of yourself when making something this impactful that's also deeply personal?
5: Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. I, I think I feel lucky that I have a lot of people near me. Uh, my family is a big family, and I feel that we always talk these things through a lot. It's super... Interesting because also like my brothers and sisters are from different generations, so like we speak many things from our own perspectives and we like you know uh, you know and our own experiences. So it's it's kind of uh, fun in a way because we learn a lot together. And also my friends, uh, we like it's it's common to have these conversations. Uh, so that helps me a lot in the personal. Uh, area (laughs) but I feel that also you know uh, making music like the lyrics can be maybe tougher for me to get into um, because like as any psychological process like it's difficult to put words to your feelings like sometimes you just don't understand exactly why are you feeling some way or or what is it uh, and and when you try to describe it and put some words like it's interesting and you get deeper into what the root of your feeling and you understand and it suddenly becomes like a like a cool blooming process but then making the music and the sounds for me it's like um It's another feeling, you know, like it's it's another way of translating those emotions. And 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 it's like it's two different things for me. So I feel that um, when the lyrics get too tough, I feel that I heal differently in the instrumentation and the sounds. And sometimes it can be like more one note but sometimes it is a contrast like sometimes the song can have like a very strong message but the musicality is the opposite is calming so I like I enjoy that.
4: <laughs> do you enjoy performing live? You're touring right now you're doing shows how is that for you the touring and the live performance?
5: I do a lot it's I mean it's just what happens in the moment so Obviously, you think at the time, oh, I could have done this better, whatever, but you cannot think that through as much, you know, just maybe maybe next show you just perfection uh, your show a little bit. But I, I I love that it's just about the moment and that energy with the audience that I feel is like a reflection, you know, and, and I I love that. You know, it's just you're doing what you're doing and the the notes or everything like just came out how it did. And that's how it was supposed to be for a reason. (laughs) You just uh, but for me, the important thing is is to have fun because a lot of technicalities get in your way and you get maybe a little too stressed. But for me, I've learned to just um, not be too aware of that because like it breaks the moment and it breaks an energy that for me is more important uh, so I try to keep calm <laughs> and just enjoy the show so I do love live <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah I love that and you have a performance here in LA in Inglewood like you mentioned um, so that's exciting but I also want to ask you um, about this album this, your third album this album how it differs from the other two if at all
5: uh, I I say that I really learned a lot from this album. So it definitely definitely is different for me because my first album was more um, into traditional sounds and it has a lot a lot of orchestra and a lot of musicians, you know. And I, and that's what I wanted what, with my first album. And then my second album, Almadura, was like very rigid and very rhythmic. And that's, that was my energy at the time. I was very, like, angry with many things. And it was, like, very tough. And and then this album, well, turned out to be during the pandemic. Uh, so it was... Um, I was felt that I was, like, kind of floating, you know, maybe in air or in water. I don't know. But I felt like, you know, I, I wasn't as <laughs> myself, maybe. Or maybe I... I I connected with another part of myself that I didn't explore as much. So I felt in a way like grateful to have that experience and that opportunity because sometimes I I and I feel that a lot of people tend to ignore um some things that maybe we should pay attention to uh and I didn't plan to do this with this album but at the end like I maybe I had to. So Yeah, I feel that I learned something new and I broke with a lot of patterns that I had and it made me feel freer in the process.
4: Where can our listeners follow you, support your music, and just keep up with everything that you're doing?
5: Mm -hmm. Well, uh, in Twitter, I am as Ilevitable as the name of, of my first album. In Instagram, I am Cabralu. Uh, and also in TikTok I'm Cabralu as well and uh, what else? I don't know anymore <laughs> social media <laughs> Yes, yeah,
3: stream um, Nakarile. it's so good and support check out if Ila's coming to a city near you thank you so much for joining us today thank you Locatora Radio is a production of Locatora
4: Productions in partnership with iHeart's My Cultura Podcast Network for more podcasts, listen to the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
3: Besitos. Locatora Radio,
4: a radiophonic novela, Hosted by Mala Muñoz
3: and Diosa Femme.